This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Welcome to the Liverpool.com podcast. I'm your host, Mo Stewart, and I'm joined by James Martin and David Lynch. And we're all still in the afterglow of Liverpool picking up their second trophy of the season, the eighth FA Cup. And after winning his second winner's medal of the season with a second official man of the match performance in a Wembley final, both against Chelsea, feels like a good time to talk about our Colombian superstar, Mr. Luis Diaz. So we're going to spend the next 20 minutes talking about how fantastic he is, why has he been so good, and what does the future hold for him both this season and beyond. So, James, let's start with the game that we just watched, the the, the man of the match performance I just mentioned. Um there were lots of Liverpool performers who played well. I mean, Alison Becker was one who instantly springs to mind. But in terms of being the catalyst for everything that Liverpool did good, Diaz has been fantastic so far. And it was another one of those performances. Yeah, I mean, two man of the match performances in, in Wembley finals is not bad going, is it? I don't know whether necessarily I'd have given him man of the match for this one. But he was certainly one of the contenders. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Alisson. I think Trent would probably feel like he was in with a, a fair sniff. And then... My, my friend who sports Chelsea, he came back to the flat afterwards and said Thiago was just on another level. Maybe that's just because Chelsea haven't seen him much because he's managed to miss most of the most of the meetings. But yeah, I mean, he's, he was phenomenal again as well. But yeah, certainly Luis Diaz was right up there. It seemed like most of the chances were falling to him. It seemed like he was always there. He was that live wire, that threat. The first 15 minutes in particular where Liverpool were completely on top, he was just toasting Trevor Chalabar time and time again in that sort of awkward gap between him and Rhys James. Neither of them knew what to do with him. And yeah, that just sums up his impact really, isn't it? It's just been a handful. He has been a handful. It's an explosive start to the game from Diaz, David. And it's been an explosive start to his Liverpool career. I mean, in his very first game, he, he put, got an assist. And since then, he hasn't really stopped. I mean, even in the games where he hasn't registered goal involvements, he's been the main man. He's been the dangerous player. Every single team we face has had to try and stop him. And not many of them have done it. No, exactly. I think, you know, you can you can tell when you ask Jurgen Klopp about him, um, sort of that, you know, I think everyone involved in signing him and, and Jurgen himself, you know, knew this is a really, really handy player that Liverpool was signing. And I think, you know, you, you could see all the clips when he came in and, you know, you knew that the, 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 the sheer talent was there. But I think everyone, you know, including the fans, has been surprised by just how quickly he's adapted to, to Liverpool's style of play, how, how seamlessly he's fitted in. And, you know, I think... I, I think, you know, he, he did get the man of the match, didn't he, in the, the League Cup final as well. And I, But I think this performance this time around was a, was a massive step up from that. You know, I thought, thought very impressive to be thrown into the team in the way he was in the League Cup final. He, you know, hadn't been, been there for long and I think he wouldn't have started that if Jota had been fit. So he was impressive in that game. But I thought this game just absolutely unbelievable in terms of just his sheer influence on on, on not just, you know, not just the things he was doing, but the way that he was creating space by being such a threat for, you know, creating space for others and and dragging players out of position, which was making it easier for Liverpool to sort of pen Chelsea in, particularly in that sort of opening period where I thought Liverpool were, were utterly dominant. Um, and, and, you know, they end up winning the game on penalties, but probably deserved to, to win it in, in normal time, really, in terms of the chances he created. So, I think, and, and you know, he was the, at the forefront of a lot of the stuff he did well creatively and, you know, against the team who, who probably came into that game thinking if we can just frustrate Liverpool, which I suppose they ended up doing by dragging its penalties, but you know, they weren't actually that successful in stopping Liverpool playing, I thought, for a lot of the game, you know, in terms of chances created and things like that. So, 
you know, he he really was sort of the, the standout attacker in terms of that that sort of stuff. And I, and I just think, yeah, for, for him to be putting in these performances, you know, so soon after he came, I think when he comes in in January, maybe think he's a signing for next season, but he's, no, he's, he's a signing for now as well. And he's, yeah, absolutely phenomenal. And uh, yeah, a, a second trophy already, which is, which is some going. I do wonder how much Diaz's play has actually surprised Jurgen Klopp and his, uh, his team, James, because we have to give credit to the recruitment process. We have to acknowledge the fact that this is yet another player who's come in and hit the ground running. So clearly they are scouting people very well. They know exactly the kind of player they hope to get. But even so, this has been remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's like they said, like, maybe this is the kind of impact everyone envisaged somewhere down the line, but no one thought that it would just be so instantaneous. It's, it, I mean, if you know, it sounds like it wasn't even meant to be a January signing originally. Tottenham, of course, were, were sniffing around to sped up the process. So, yeah, I mean, with a with the pre-season behind him, you know, maybe more time to learn the language, communicate with his teammates, you're thinking, okay, then, he'll, then we'll see the real Lewis Diaz. But, yeah, we saw him straight away. It's um, It was uncanny. And yeah, if, like you say, credit to the recruitment team. They've picked out all of the factors in his game, which means he'll be well suited to Liverpool down the line. But yeah, in terms of being able to fit in straight away, I think nearly all of the credit in that respect has to go to Diaz himself. I mean, he's clearly taking on board these instructions. I mean, I suppose you would also give some credit to some of the Liverpool backroom team. There's some Portuguese speakers in there who I'm sure have been easing the transition. You've got you've got Linders, you've got Matos, um, but. Yeah, somehow or other, the message that Klopp is trying to convey is getting through to him. And um, yeah, we're certainly seeing the results of that. And I think it's a good point from, from David as well in terms of the difference between the two cup finals. Man of the match in both, but yeah, one where it was just the, the sheer fact that people didn't really know what to expect of him, I suppose, was, was so good in the first final. Whereas yeah. the second one was more, this is a proper Liverpool attacker doing Liverpool attacker things and doing them very, very well. And there was an evolution in how he was playing because, like we said, when he first comes to the club, there's an expectation of just kind of getting him out there, letting him play, letting him do what does naturally, not bogging him down with the tactical side of it. But even throughout the game against Chelsea, early on in the game, James, you saw Chelsea gave him too much space. And then in early on in the second half, they kind of tried to play him a little bit closer. But even then, that doesn't hold him off forever. He was able to deal with that and find a new way just with his close control and being able to just feed the ball onto another red shirt who can then kind of build the attacks. Yeah, he's on a bit of a, an accelerated Salah trajectory, isn't he? He's start, starting to get that close treatment. Um, it took Salah a 32-goal season before defenders sort of wised up the to double down on him. But yeah, Diaz seems to be getting it already. I suppose it helped that Salah went off in the final from Chelsea's perspective. That was one threat they could maybe ease up on because, you know, Jota came on. I thought I think he did quite well. He didn't do spectacularly, but he had a good game. Um, but there was maybe a little bit less need to sort of focus the defensive efforts down that side of the of the pitch so they could they could use that that sort of extra leeway to to really focus on Diaz, who was, like you say, the main live wire. And I think Tuchel had, had words as well. You saw when Thiago Silva went down in the first half, that was quite handy for Chelsea. That was a bit of a turning point. They, he got everyone over... Um, I think gave some some revised tactical instructions and things looked a lot more stable after that from Chelsea's perspective. But like you say, it, it didn't stop Diaz. He, he was he was lively still. He very nearly had the winner in normal time with with a couple of, of efforts. To be honest, curling just the wrong side of the post and then I think striking the outside of the post with one of them. Um, yeah, he was 
an absolute menace, even with that extra defensive attention. And that is going to be really encouraging for, for Liverpool, for Klopp, who are maybe thinking, OK, he's the new man. People haven't wiped up to him yet. But yeah, I think this was the first big piece of evidence that even once they start trying specifically to cope with him, that's not necessarily a guarantee they'll be able to keep him down. Yeah, very much so. You can already see the intelligence of the player that there's going to be plenty of levels to go. And we're going to talk about the, the potential future and maybe an evolution of this game later on. But one of the things that has developed already, David, that I've noticed is relationship with some of his teammates. People are beginning to understand his tendencies are better. And I think that the players in the group as a whole needs to take a lot of credit for this because James mentioned within the settling in period there's a lot of Portuguese speakers. But if you look at the social media from the players as well as the club, you'll see everybody interacting with him. I've seen him dancing around with Harvey Elliott. I've seen Curtis Jones having some jokes with him. And it seems like a very happy group. Obviously, they're winning trophies. But a group that's very aware of how important feeling comfortable is to be able to play your best football. Yeah, and I think that that comes really from the manager downwards, doesn't it? You know, you think of, you know, what he's like as a person and I think that sort of bleeds through the dressing room. Liverpool only really look to sign characters who are like that as well, who, you know, who who will, you know, want to be part of a group, want to sort of fit in, want to, you know, they, they want to be friends really, you know, as much as they are teammates. And I think that's really nice to see. And I think, you know, you've also got that coming from, you know, Jordan Henderson's very big on that. I know that personally that he is, you know, makes extra efforts to, to ensure that people feel like they're fitting in, feel like they're, they're part of the group as, as soon as possible. James Miller, another one, you know, really sort of setting the culture around the dressing room. And when people talk about that, I mean, it, it gets thrown out quite frequently, really, just to, you know, as a, as, a, as a line in a piece while you're talking about James Milner's importance or Jordan Henderson's importance and why that might not all be, like, boiled down to what they do on the pitch. And it, But it is, it's things like that, that they, they, it's absolutely vital that you create a nice dressing room atmosphere because... That gives you that togetherness, not just when you're celebrating trophies, but in moments when your back's against the wall in, in games, when when things are difficult, that you wanna you wanna dig in, you wanna help your teammate out, you wanna, you know, you wanna cover for them if they've, they've been caught out of position and things like that. Um, and and it all it's it's absolutely vital to creating a winning football team. And we, you know, we we are seeing we're seeing that, you know, you can see it from the clips in the dressing room, as you say, and you you can see that there's just a, a great atmosphere there. And and I think it's no coincidence that if you put the talent together and then you have that great atmosphere, that you start winning trophies. Definitely. I mean, from Henderson's perspective, I think he's probably just, he wants to make sure he's on his nice side so he can start barking at him when he needs to. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but either way, it's, it seems to be working. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the relationship between the players on the pitch, James, and the front players in particular. I think when we watch Diaz, particularly in the, his impact in the last few games, we've seen him more as an outlet ball, someone who can take the ball when the team's under pressure, take us up the pitch either with his pace or with his trickery. And when you think back to previous incarnations of the Liverpool side, that was the kind of thing that both Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah used to do a lot more often than they have done in recent years. Do you think it's important for Klopp to have that element in the team? Do you think that was something he was looking for when he initially found Diaz? Yeah, I mean, I think that the general idea was a kind of Mane 2.0. I mean, if, if FSG have looked at him and said he can play all across the front line, then fair play to them, because he's never done it in his professional career up to now. But um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's just a very, very impressive left winger in that position, which kind of Mane made his own cutting in onto his stronger foot. And like you say, doing some of those more kind of explosive things that maybe we, we see a lot less of from, from Salah and particularly Mane these days. I mean, I think that's why... Mane's moved down the middle has been such a revelation. It's you know it's slightly different skill sets required. Maybe that 
that burst is maybe not quite as necessary and that the emphasis goes more onto the technical side of things, the vision side of things where he's still, I mean, he's still improving really. It seems like he certainly is as good as ever anyway. Um, whereas, yeah, like, like you say on the left now, we do have that kind of what we what we got used to with, with early years, Mane, certainly once he'd switched on to the left anyway when Salah came in. And um, yeah, I, I, I do think that that was one of the things Klopp was looking for. Um, it's, it's tricky because obviously Mane and Salah are still elite players. Salah still has a case of being the best in the world. It's not like they've declined. It's just that their profiles have slightly changed. And within that, there is there is the fact that teams have changed how they play against Liverpool. So yeah. you, you look at a team like Chelsea and maybe there's a false impression because they come out and play a little bit more than, than most of the teams we would, we would come up against. So there has been that space for Diaz to explode into, if you like. Um but yeah, the, the, certainly the 1v1 element, that applies against almost any opposition. It, it's just as effective when teams are playing deep. Maybe it's more important when teams are playing deep against you. So I do think, yeah, that kind of extra weapon, if you like, against against that sort of opponent is, is something that, that, that would have been targeted when looking at Diaz. Just to, just to come in on that, sorry, I think it's it, it's important that his, his, his sort of effect on ball progression has been sort of notable because... I think when you don't get Firmino in the team as often these days because of you know he's had injury problems this season and and he's you know he's at a stage where he's probably not going to be in the team as frequently. I think you you lose a lot in terms of him not being there to to take the ball in tight areas and, and move you forward. And as you say, you know Salah and Mane's profiles changing slightly. And I also think you know I, I feel like I criticise him a little bit too much, but I think it is it something that Jota needs to work on in his game is, is taking the ball in in difficult areas up front. So I think that is why. Luis Diaz being able to do these things um, has, has been so important and had such a beneficial effect on the team. Now, that is a really good point, actually. The idea of finding a way to replace that because we have spoken on previous shows about the differences, the struggle. In fact, we spoke on the very last show about the struggles of Firmino versus Jota and what each of them bring and how we get that onto the pitch. And so the idea that Diaz can bring it in another element, another variety to Liverpool's attack can only be good. And I think something else that James mentioned is really key here, David, the idea that teams have had a long time to plan against how to play Liverpool. And for the most part, the, the, I'll say 95% of the teams Liverpool play against, it doesn't matter how well they plan, Liverpool still, still should beat them. But when we are going up against the very, very best for trophies, your Chelsea's, your Manchester City's, your Real Madrid's, these fine margins are really are going to make the difference, aren't they? Yeah, that's it. That's that's when it gets most difficult to to find your goals, isn't it? Because you you you're coming up against teams who who want to defend you, and you know not just got that desire to do it, but they've also got world class defenders all across the pitch. So, mm. yeah, it makes it really really difficult to find spaces and 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 exploit the usual tricks and trade that you you would do to create spaces against against uh, defenses. So, yeah, the the idea that they've got sort of a, a decent mix there and a, a new new way of doing things is is really important. And you know they've got to keep working on that. They've got to keep finding new ways I think you know I thought you know again I, I want to say Jota actually I want to praise him because I, I, I do think he was really good when he came on and, and and he gives another element something a little bit different to, to the other players and sort of unlucky not to score that one where he darts across the front post wasn't he I think if that's on his head he scores he's you know so lethal in that that regard so yeah just a, there is now a, a really nice mix of, of what you would say that first choice front three looks really tidy together but also there are options beyond that as well and and 
and basically a mix of attackers that can cause problems to, to any defence, which when you get to this point of the season, when the, the trophies start getting handed out, is you know extremely important. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Another thing I just picked up on there, he is comfortably now in the first choice front three. When And when you think back to when he arrived, uh, the Diego, Diego Jota mania was literally sweeping the country. And to think that he's been able to supersede him in such a short space of time really is remarkable. Um, it's interesting, though, because having spoken previously about the differences between coming off the bench, James, when we were doing our FA Cup preview, we were wondering whether or not Diaz might be better suited to coming off the bench against tired legs in the games that goes deep. Now, obviously, in uh, against Southampton, we were probably not going to be facing the same level of uh, quality, but it is a tight turnaround. Do you think with the way that Manchester City have just kind of left a little squeak in the title race, do you think that there's more chance of Diaz playing against Southampton than there was previously? Well, maybe, but I, I don't think it will necessarily impact upon the selection too much. I think every team Klopp puts out, he believes is capable of winning. So obviously he has preferred options, but I think the, the primary factor in his mind right now will be in terms of the fatigue from the final. If, if Diaz isn't ready to go, he's not going to chuck him in there just because he thinks he's potentially a slightly better option than Jota or Firmino. If there's if there's a a risk involved, I don't think he'll take it. I don't think City's result would come close to changing that really. Um, but one of the remarkable things about Diaz, one of the many things that's been remarkable about Diaz is is the fitness he's shown. He's played the most games of any player in Europe this season. Um, it's a tiny bit misleading because he hasn't played the most minutes, but he's played the second most minutes of any forward. Um, Salah is the most, in case anyone's interested. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, it's. Um, even so, he still just has that energy. He has that mm-hmm. that drive. I mean, he maybe hit the edge of the cliff a little bit right at the end of um, of that Chelsea game, but he made it through the full ninety minutes, no problem, and was still looking one of the liveliest ones out there right until almost you know the last five minutes when he did get substituted. And I think that was probably the right call. It looked like he'd maybe hit a bit of a wall, but mm-hmm. that's that's more than understandable. Um, so yeah, I don't think there's been any concerns at all in terms of adapting to that side of the game, which is always a worry because, you know, Liverpool do play a very, very intense style of football. It, it, it's no it's no slight against a player if they need to take, you know, three, four months to get up to the pace. We've seen that with with various cop signings in the past. I mean, Fabinho took a little while, didn't they? Ten before he was a regular. Robertson as well was, was I mean, it took a Moreno injury before he sort of made that spot his own. Um so we've seen it in the past, but yeah, Diaz has come straight in and, and the fitness side of things hasn't been a problem at all. Whether that means he plays again and is ready to play again at Southampton, I have no idea. It'll it'll come down to to what the fitness staff is saying, what you know, there's a there's you know, it's 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 up in the air. I wouldn't be surprised if he's if he's from the bench and used from the bench. And like we said last time, he's certainly a good option to have from that bench. Yeah, well, uh, as someone who has him in their football fantasy team, I'm kind of hoping he is on the bench, to be honest. Although when you look at it, yeah, you're right. He has played 65 games for club and country, David. And on some of those games, there's been a lot of uh, air miles clocked up as well, going to and from Colombia, from Portugal and from England. So as much as it looks like he can run all day, we do really still have to be a bit careful, don't we? Yeah, I think so. I think I think because, you know, it's a tightish turnaround, you know, with it being to Tuesday. And I think 
I think one thing that might have forced Klopp's hand is that I, I don't think he's going to take the risk on Salah, um, you know, regardless really of how he's shaping up. I think the, the, the priority there is to keep him fit for the Champions League final. So you, you already sort of lose one option there, I suppose. But he still may look at this and think, OK, I don't want to run Lewis into the ground. I've got, you know, I've got options there. I think, you know, Firmino would be ready for a start, no doubt about it. Um, you've got, you know, Origi there, who's always worth a goal. And also it's quite helpful that Liverpool, you know, although it would have been preferable for Manchester City to lose yesterday uh, rather than draw, at least Liverpool aren't going into this now knowing, thinking that they have to win 9-0. So, you know, I, I don't think he has to necessarily push push his players too hard. I think, you know, at the end of the day, any win will do now. It's, you know, can you, know, can you get a scrappy 1-0 or 2-1? They don't have to sort of push the players through the wall now. So I, I think it's a, it's a time to maybe use the squad depth and, and let's try and keep everyone in, in really good shape for, for the Champions League final that's coming up. And yeah, just... There, there are enough options there to, to get, you know, some sort of win at Southampton. I'm absolutely sure of that. The quality is definitely there. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think he'll want to take any risks. And, and Diaz put a lot into that game. So I think it's, uh, yeah, maybe time to, to mix things up in terms of the front three for this one. Paris does present an interesting problem, though, because as we mentioned previously with finals, sometimes having a, a player like him fresh late on can do more damage. But particularly against a team like Real Madrid, who we have seen come up strong later on in games. Do you think that might come into Klopp's thinking? Do you think he might be tempted to maybe have him at the end? Or do you think simply Klopp will just back him to be able to do the duration? I, 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 I don't think he would He would make a call like benching Luis Diaz for a Champions League final on the basis that Real Madrid might come strong. I, I think he, you know, he's more of the, the positive mindset of, can we get 4-0 up? Before Real Madrid have their their strong finish, I think you know, I I, I think if 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 you know the, the team almost picks itself the Champions League final, if if there are no more injury scares, touch wood uh, between now and then, I I think he would he would go with the the strongest available eleven, and then, I mean goodness me, I, that still leaves you some decent options on the bench there. We're talking you know Jota and Firmino if you need a goal or you need to change the game that that. Those are not bad options to call. I've not even mentioned Origi there, who will score, won't he, in the Champions League final, I'm sure. So, um, yeah, I, I think his, his thinking in that one would be to go as, as strong as possible from the start. And, and he's still got plenty in reserve if he needs it. I mean, Origi scored in every Champions League final he's played in. So <laughs> Exactly. exactly. <laughs> it's almost a guarantee. <laughs> OK, so, so let's look beyond the end of the season, James, just for a change. Um, it's been clear that we have got a bright future when you think about uh, Diego Jota and Luis Diaz, two forwards under the age of 25, plenty of years, they're, they're prime ahead of them. How much do you think that might influence the uh, decisions the club make around some of the other guys? Because one thing that Diaz has been able to do that very few others haven't, is he was able to put in a really good performance on the right side of the forward line when Salah wasn't around. And Sal, the, the, the who plays on there when Salah's not around has been a bit of a problem over the course of this season. And if Diaz might be the one to answer it, does that play into Liverpool's options? When, you, when you're looking at a, a minority report style board and you're trying to move things around, does that really influence who, who stays and who might go? Well, potentially. I mean, this is sort of what I was alluding to earlier. I mean, I feel like FSG might have got a little bit lucky here. They don't get lucky too often, but... <laughs> There is no way they could have known he'd be this good on the right. There's just no data on it. Like, it, it hasn't really been tried. I mean, maybe going way back into his youth football days or whatever, but looking at all of his Porto games, so all of his experience in European football, it's just, 
it's been entirely off the left. So Klopp's, Klopp's given him a go off the right. And yeah, it's been, it's, been, it's been sensational there. He kind of ruined the narrative a little bit because he moved over to the left and got the assist in the game where he started on the right and then he crossed it in from the left to get the assist. And like, well, okay, maybe he's still better from the left. But um, <laughs> but no, he, he looked really right in, in that kind of Salah position. It's I don't think it's ever going to be ideal because he's a player who likes to cut inside. And when you're cutting in onto your weaker foot, it's, it's not the same. Um but yeah, Jota's had the same issue and Diaz is already looking more convincing in terms of making that role his own. Um, we know Klopp knows how to play with wingers who aren't necessarily quite as inverted. When Mane came in, he was on he was on the other flank, wasn't he? So playing right winger with a stronger right foot, it's it's not unheard of by any means. Um so yeah, it's definitely it's it's definitely an option. I think we've seen enough of him in that in that right wing slot to say that he could end up when well, he could end up there. He could that could be his long term Liverpool position, which is good news for Jota because you know that that leaves him with the left wing or down the middle, and it's good news for FSG because it gives them more flexibility and recruitment. Basically, just any attacker who looks like they'd be a perfect fit, get them in, and you can shuffle the existing parts around a little bit, and it'll be fine. Um, so there's some more flexibility there in terms of whether it affects the contracts. Probably not. I mean, you know, it's still that awkward phase, isn't it? Where, I mean, we've, we've done the contracts to death, haven't we? There's, there's just over a year to go. There's players there ready to pick up the slack. But if it was just them left there, then then we'd have a problem. Mm-hmm. So we'd, we'd immediately need to recruit. Can you buy in players that good with the, with the less that it would take to renew the contract? You'd suggest probably not. But, you know, these are all well-worn dilemmas. And I don't yes. think the fact that Diaz is good on the right necessarily <laughs> changes them too much. I, I hold my hand up. I know that I, I didn't really need to ask that question, but I was <laughs> kind of needed to ask that question. And you answered it well, James, as you always do. Okay. <laughs> so before we, we wrap this one up here, I think the last thing I want to talk about is if we look at the FA Cup final, the only thing that performance was missing was a goal. And if we look at some of his other performances, sometimes we've seen maybe a potential for his goal scoring or his shooting to become more accurate. That could potentially be the next evolution, David. And I mean, we've seen, as James mentioned, Klopp's not been afraid to move his attackers around. We've seen how he's sometimes seen things that other people haven't seen. We also saw one of his early performances he was almost playing kind of centrally as a partnership with Divock Origi. I remember against Norwich City, he came on uh, in the league game and did that. So do you think we could potentially see maybe uh, another progression where his goal scoring reaches the levels that Salah and Mane have been able to produce? I've got absolutely no doubt that that's, that scene is the next step for him. Um, you know, I think he, he does pretty much everything asked of him to a really high standard. But I, I would say that when he went through for that chance, the, the one-on-one uh, from the, the unbelievable Trent pass, I, I don't think I had quite the conviction that I would if it was a Sadio Mane that the ball was going to hit the back of the net. You know, I think he, he does need to sort of become a, a little bit of a killer in those positions. And, you know, I, I have no doubt that that will come because I think, you know, the, the level of talent that's there and he, he has scored goals consistently over his career, maybe not at the, the Sadio Mane, uh, Mo Salah level, but he has scored goals. So I think... I think that's just the next step for him. But uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, we're talking about this and he hasn't even had a full preseason yet. He hasn't, you know, he's still adapting, even though he doesn't feel like it. Um, and I, I'm absolutely sure that that will come because, you know, 
in training if you were repeatedly getting in those positions over and over and over again you were practicing that technique and it makes it easier when you get there in matches and I just think that's that's definitely going to come it'd be I, I can't imagine that he won't improve in some way because he's got a, a manager who consistently improves players in charge of him as well I mean intensity intelligence quality and the team around him he has everything you need to succeed at Liverpool and I can't wait to see what the future brings for him. I've had a big smile on our face as we've been talking about it for the last 28 minutes. James, David, thank you so much for going through this with me. For all you out there, I hope you enjoyed it too. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.